Friday, August 19th, this is the Just Baseball Show. The three horsemen. The three horsemen are here. It's Jack McMullen, Arm Layton back from hip surgery, and your guy, me, Peter Apple. We got a lot to talk about in this episode. We're breaking down a lot of September call-ups for contenders, so I'm going to be throwing over to the prospect gurus over here. But first, the big news. Elvis Andrews is a Chicago White Sox. John Heyman kind of called it. Jack, we got to give it up to John Heyman a little bit. Yeah, let's give it up to John Heyman. Uh, I need you to acknowledge that I'm holding a baseball, so I'm immediately better at talking about baseball now. I'm uh-huh. holding a baseball. You know um, what? Also, Keep talking, Arum, I'm going to go grab a baseball. All right, Aram might be a little codeine crazy right now, too, huh? How is how is the hip surgery, you warrior? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling all right. Um, you know, nerve blockers wore off yesterday, so oh. I definitely felt it through the night last night. But, uh, you know, same surgery Matt Chapman got. You saw how he bounced back this year. Uh, yeah. So I'm expecting a similar bounce back. So you're uh, expecting low 200s with about low 200s with some power and elite defense. You know, that's <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. I definitely feel uh, I'm, I'm excited, honestly, like from a serious standpoint. It was bothering me for so long. We live in New York City now. I want to walk around. I want to do stuff. And I, I thought once I stopped playing baseball, it would just kind of go away and it just got worse and worse. So I'm honestly really excited to just turn the page and get better and be able to play sports and stuff again. So very much looking forward to that. But obviously, the uh, first week after the surgery is not the best. And uh, I've not taken as many oxys as you'd think, though. Ooh, damn. You're doing it wrong right now, man. Uh, <laughs> Peter, I do want to mention something. Notice Aram just said he lives in New York and he wants to walk around and get outside. I think that's the last thing I would want to do if I lived in New York City. That's the only thing to do in New York City. <laughs> what are you talking about? I walk mean, that's into the, the Dwayne Reed. You know what? That's kind of the most Dwayne Reeds we can buy a Snickers bar under, from in an hour. Underrated part about New York City for a second. Everyone says it's so expensive. And of course it is because it it's is. for coffee. Okay. No car payments. No gas, no car insurance. You know, you you take a little bit off the top there, but then you pay for, you know, $7 coffee. So, yes, is New York City expensive? Yes. But are there other things that make New York a little bit better? Yes. You're going to see it. We'll get you. We'll get your firsthand experience. I know you've been here before, Jack, but you, you get a little refresher. I can't wait to walk on the High Line because that's the only thing that doesn't feel like Manhattan. <laughs> and that was our analysis of Elvis Andrews signing with the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> yes. Um, anyone have anything to say? Uh, Jack is wearing an athletic shirt again. We're still not analyzing the signing of Elvis Andrews' arm. You got to have something about it. Yeah, no, I actually like it. I do like it. I I think we have to give credit where credit's due. Elvis Andrews has has bounced back at least a little bit this year. Um, you know, he's a positive player, (laughs) 1.6 out four. He's still stealing some bags, he's hitting for some power. And I'm interested to see how he looks away from Oakland as well. I, I really think it's underrated how much Oakland. It's just a horrible place to hit. 87 WRC plus in Oakland, 105 WRC plus away from Oakland this season. If he gives you a 105 WRC plus with some speed uh, and, and decent defense, 
you got to be pretty happy with that, given that the White Sox are trying to stay afloat. You guys talked about it last episode, how they're still in the race. Tim Anderson's out. This is probably a better option. I love Lenin Sosa. We're going to talk about prospects who can help teams down the line here in the rest of this episode. But I, I trust a veteran Elvis Andrews to give me league average offense and play good defense more than I'd expect a Lenin Sosa to make the leap and you know be able to play every day there. What's beautiful about this Elvis Andrews signing is, yeah, big money in Oakland, but because he was released, all that money is still on Oakland's book. So what the White Sox can do is pay him a prorated minimum salary for yep. the rest of this year, which is perfect. So they're going to pay him, I think, around $50,000 for the last six weeks of the regular season. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that, but I mean, that's nothing for a major league franchise. Like they'll pick up anybody on on the league minimum. Uh, Jim Margulis, uh, who is the, um, I think he's the founder of Sox Machine. Uh, his Twitter handle is literally at Sox Machine, but Jim Margulis puts together great stuff for the White Sox. He just quote tweeted Jeff Passan's tweet and said, it's fun when something like this makes sense and happens quickly. Pass era, <laughs> Heyman called it like we were talking about it yesterday. It made all the sense in the world. So Rick Hahn got on the phone and got it done. And, and we talked about Rick Hahn's comments after the trade deadline. I'm disappointed we didn't do more. You should be disappointed in yourself that you didn't do more. Now you were just handed a replacement level shortstop to fill the six week void that Tim Anderson leaves you, and they got it above replacement level. Above replacement above. level, and now we can't make fun of Rick Hahn anymore. He put his big yeah, boy pants on. Still still we still can. He's, that was a very can. weird we're, statement. Of course, no, I'm just kidding. Let's move um, on to some more news. Unless yeah. Jack, you got something to say? Well, I was going to say, so we can make fun of Rick Hahn for his statement, but Aram missed it yesterday. Will Crow about the Dennis Eckersley comments on the Pirates. Yes. Um, I'm sure you saw the Eckersley thing about the Pirates. Yeah, I did see the Eckersley thing. What, yeah. Will Crow said something? Will Crow said, it's pretty crappy and pretty shitty about his comments. And to that, I say, <laughs> aren't crappy and shitty the same thing? <laughs> I kind of like that, though. That's like double down on it. I, like, I, I understand where Eckersley where is <laughs> coming from. But like, come on, man! Like, they, they, what does that achieve by saying something like that? Like, what do you what do you gain? No, he's out the door after this year. <laughs> and before, so before we talk prospects, because we're going to talk about a prospect that already called up that hit a first hit his first home run, basically on his first swing in Major League Baseball. Before we get to that, Dylan Betanzas retired, which Jack told me that before we even started recording, and uh, my first reaction to that was, my childhood is over. I mean, Dylan Batanzas, I mean, not really, because Dylan Batanzas pitched from 2011 to 2021. His last appearance basically was with the Mets, where he threw um, one inning <laughs> and um, gave up an earned run to give him a nine ERA. And in 2020 with the Mets, he threw 11 and two-thirds, gave up 10 earned runs. Um, but surprisingly enough, Dylan Batanzas put together a pretty solid career. Finished with a 2.53 ERA, 2.40 FIP, and at his peak... In, especially in 2015, he, like he finished 14th in Cy Young voting. He was a four-time All-Star, 1.50 ERA in that year in 2015 yeah, with the New York Yankees. Dylan Batances at his best was nasty. And yeah. it's just sad to see him go, even at a young age, I mean, at 33 years old. Well, I think the reason I why you like feel... Why, why you feel I, like that? <laughs> yeah, rest, RIP in peace, Dylan Batances. <laughs> I think the reason why you feel like Batances is a part of your childhood is because he, he was a notable prospect for a while. And it was like one of those Yankees prospects that you heard about for a long time. And he was a top 100 guy, uh, pretty much consensus across everywhere you looked, but he just couldn't stick in the rotation. And one of those classic 
move you from a starter, make your reliever. And it worked. I mean, he was a really good reliever and made some good money. And uh, if he, you know, budgets properly should be able to not have to worry about money for the remainder of his life because of his, you know, peak and how nasty he was, as, as you mentioned, Peter, but, but yeah, I mean, it's uh it is kind of crazy starting to see some of those guys that now we definitely watched come up even from the beginning retire. I know it's an early retirement for him from him, but still, uh, it does make you feel a little bit old. And I know one like McCutcheon, who homered twice today already, when he retires, guys like that, I'm definitely going to get really sad. LeBron, don't get me started on the basketball side. That's yeah. going to really feel weird. Well, two years, 97. He's he's going to be around. Yeah, he'll be yeah. I saw I saw some lines set on where Bronny's going to go to college because he said he's going to school and not going to the G League. And like Ohio State was like 15 to 1, which was so weird. There were like eight schools in front of that, which was bizarre. I feel like he's going to go to Duke. No, I feel like he's going to Ohio State. Do you realize how good that would be for the for the LeBron brand? I think he's going to Akron. Oh, zips up, the baby. Zips, Get zips some up. action. He's going to be playing against Imani Bates, who's in Eastern Michigan now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, um, yeah, like Dellen Betances, he was the heir apparent to the heir apparent to Mariano Rivera, right? Because it was <laughs> it was Mo Rivera, and then he was supposed to hand the reins off to David Robertson, who was good for like two years. But then it was like, wait, wait till we get Dylan Batances going. And then Batances was good for like two years. And then he went somewhere else. Um, if Dylan Batances was your childhood, you had a pretty crappy childhood. <laughs> in the words of Will Crow, you had a pretty crappy and pretty shitty childhood. You know, 633 what? K's and 394 innings That's is pretty, great. pretty nasty. though. It's great. And, you know, it, it, you know, you could say that because ever since, I, you know, the last Yankees championship besides 2009 was in 2000. And like that was really like my childhood. When you talk about young Yankee fans, we've talked about this before. Like really, the only championship was in 2009. So when young Yankee fans refer to the 27 championships, it's like you weren't alive for like. 26 of them mm-hmm. but let's move on from the riveting news of elvis andrews and Dylan batanzas into some really awesome news and a, a prospect that arm and jack have been really high on and brett Beatty hit a first home run with his first swing with the new york mets call up to play third base and frankly i was a little bit surprised arm because i know mark vientos i think was a little bit farther in his development but the mets decided that brett Beatty was really yeah. the guy and brett Beatty is the better prospect but i guess i was just a little bit surprised because vientos has been the name that they you thought that they were going to call up a lot yeah. sooner but you're higher on brett Beatty. like give us a lowdown on who this kid is yeah so you know i think vientos would have been the guy that we would have saw first had brett Beatty not gone on this nuclear stretch over the last you know, 30 something games. But if you, if you shrink it down to 25, because I really wanted the the batting average to be over 400 over his last 25 games, entering that, that big league debut, he was hitting over 400 with a 1200 OPS and eight homers between double and triple a. So he just, something clicked for him where now he's hitting the ball harder. He's hitting the ball in the air more. He's using the whole field. He doesn't chase nearly as much. And I think the Mets looked at it and they said, Hey, Vientos is, you know what he is. He's a guy that's going to strike out 28 to 30% of the time. He's going to hit a ton of home runs, but he's defensively limited. Whereas Beatty's absolutely locked in is a better defensive third baseman. And I think they wanted to kind of strike while the iron's hot. I love it. Now his ninth home run in 26 games, this dude is locked in and I I don't want to see him go back down. I really don't. I think he can survive and stay up there. It's a question more on the Mets side. You know, what do they do with Guillaume when he comes back? But how long is Guillaume going to be out? There's a lot of questions to answer there, but I would rather see those ABs go to Beatty than Escobar. 
uh, because Escobar clearly just has not been right this year. And and I think from what we've seen from Beatty, he can legitimately contribute to this Mets team down the stretch here. Yeah. Um, they just claimed Yolmer Sanchez off waivers. I hope to God he does not take at bats away from Brett Beatty. Hope oh. to God. Um, what I will say is like Beatty was a hot hand. And I think the Mets can look at who they're playing right now in Atlanta and say they've ridden a hot hand better than anybody. I mean, Strider. Strider was in low A last year. Like he he was a hot hand coming into the year. He's going to win National League Rookie of the Year, I think. The guy that's going to be the runner-up, Michael Harris, was amazing in double-A. They said, we're not wasting any more time with you. You're up. You can help us win right now. Vaughn Grissom started this year in low-A or high-A? High-A. High-A. but he So he was in high-A and double, and then he makes the jump to the bigs, and he is immediate, like, plug-and-play, let's go. If they felt like Beatty was hot enough to make that jump to the big league level, see big league pitching – and continue to hit nukes and continue this hot stretch. If you're hot, you're hot. And if it's not dependent on level, get him up, have him help you in a playoff push. And and that's exactly what I think Beatty can do for the next six weeks. And I hope that it's not Yolmer Sanchez displacing Brett Beatty. And before we move on to a lot of these contenders, because there's, I'm going to go through each contender and kind of show you where they're lacking, at least by the stats. And then we're going to talk about some prospects that could potentially be called up to help them for the September push and hopefully push them into October. But before we get into a lot of those type of prospects, like I'm just curious why Vientos has been called up. Is Vientos been struggling the minor leagues? Like this is why I'm playing point guard in this episode, because these are the prospect guys, these them to know how these guys are playing currently right now. Why wasn't Vientos called up, Arm? Like, is it is it more an indictment on Vientos, or is it more Brett Beatty is just so insanely hot right now that it has to be Beatty? I, I think it's more the latter uh, because you know, and also the defense I think is a big thing. The, there, that's the biggest restriction right now with Vientos is he does not move well, and he's probably a liability at third, more likely a DH slash first baseman long term, and. Uh, you know, I think they, they obviously were putting Beatty right in the fold there at third base. And he actually had a little bobble. Grisham beat it out and it ended up resulting in some more runs down the line. But Beatty's obviously way further ahead defensively. I think that was the big thing. And then they also probably feel as though Beatty's bat just translates better. There's less swing and miss. Uh, I think there's just a higher floor, better approach overall. But Vientos has been really good as of late. So I, I do want to give credit where credit's due. The guy's hitting 301 over his last 39 games nine homers continues to get better with the strikeout rate. I still think he's a part of their future or a very valuable trade chip because I do think there's a lot of teams that could use a Mark Vientos, but yeah, I think they're riding the hot hand with Beatty and also the fact that the defensive ability is further along there. You feel better about calling him up. I can simplify it even more. You ready? What handedness is Brett Beatty left? Yeah. What handedness is Mark Vientos? Right. What kind of pitchers do the Mets want Eduardo Escobar seeing when he's off the shelf? Yeah, they want him seeing the, the lefties. lefties. They want yeah. him seeing lefties. Mark Vientos this year against right-handed pitching has a 750 OPS. Against left-handed pitching has an 1142 OPS. Oof. So Vientos is a lefty masher. They don't need a lefty masher, though, because they just paid Eduardo Escobar. So Vientos like will be up next year, let's face it. Beatty provides them a better offensive threat 
for right-handed pitching when you wanted Eduardo Escobar facing left-handed pitching. And to that point, they also added Darren Ruff at the, at the trade deadline, who's and a Vogel killer. But Vogel Bussy is more for righties. But that's the Mets' problem this year, is that the Mets have not been as good against lefties as they ha- had against righties. So I think that's a good segue into who could be some September call-ups for the New York Mets. So we'll start in the National League East Right now, when you kind of look at the overall stats, I mean, the Mets rake. They're fifth in average. They're second in on-base percentage. Their starting pitching looks pretty solid. You know, but I do think that they could potentially add a bullpen piece. But, of course, that they added Brett Beatty to this fold. Do we think that Mark Vientos could be that September call-up for them if they need another bat off the bench? Or do we think they should lean more into some high-quality arms that are in their system? Jack, I'll start with you possibly, or Arm, you could take this as well. Like, who are some of the September call-ups that the Mets fans should be looking at that could impact their team similar to a Brett Beatty? But Brett Beatty might be that guy, but maybe close to that. Do you know who is currently on the Syracuse Mets roster? Terrence Gore. (laughs) Oh, no. That is the king of the September call-up. Oh my god. If Terrence Gore is not on the New York Mets postseason roster, we riot. <laughs> he is Dave Roberts. He's still Dave Roberts. He so, will steal second base. Entire ballpark knows it. He's gonna fucking take it. Yeah, but so that's it's funny. If it's not him, possible. if it's not him, it could be Khalil Lee, right? because yeah. uh, Khalil Lee can fly. He has not been swinging it that great. Uh, he stole 53 bags in double a back in 2019, which is interesting because he's never quite matched that in triple, but he does have kind of game changing speed is a really good defender. And that could be a guy that they bring up. The problem with the Mets is I look at the 40 man roster with them because I don't think they can really bring anybody up. That's not on the 40 man already. It would create a self-imposed squeeze. So I do think if someone goes down, Vientos is definitely a guy we could see up, but depending on if Jose Budo, a right-handed pitching prospect makes his, I think he's scheduled to start in the next day or two. If he doesn't make a start, he might fill in uh, because I know the Mets need to get through their rotation. And he's a guy that's already on the 40 man has thrown extremely well this year, four pitches for a strike changeups, probably the best pitch. Jose Budo could be a guy that, you know, maybe helps bolster their, their bullpen down the stretch in September when the rosters expand. And um, that's not the sexiest addition, but they don't really need one at this point. And Budo can eat some important innings. Seems pretty straightforward. I mean, when you already call up Brett Beatty, who's going to be one of the best prospects in baseball, you kind of already covered. So let's move on to another team in the National League East, and that's the Atlanta Braves, who are certainly contenders. And they've already kind of done their due diligence with calling up Michael Harris early, and then they called up Vaughn Grisham, who we're talking about Brett Beatty hit a home run in his first game. So did Vaughn Grisham. I mean, they seem to be very aggressive with their call-ups. And what we do know about the Braves and that we've talked about this on multiple occasions is how deep they are at starting pitching from the top of the rotation of Max Freed all the way to the Bryce Elders in the minor leagues. Jack, I want to throw this one over to you first because, I mean, who are some of these Braves arms that you feel like are going to be in the fold and then arm maybe throw it over to you for maybe another bat. But like, I know you're probably licking your lips because you love this AAA uh, lineup down there in Atlanta. Uh, pitchers that are currently on the Gwinnett Stripers roster. Ian Anderson is currently on the Gwinnett Stripers roster. So is Bryce Elder, uh, Kyle Muller, Darren O'Day is on a rehab assignment. Jared Schuster, Freddie Tarnock, Victor Vodnik is currently hurt. Waskari Noah. They have enough pitching they can call one of those guys up. I think Muller is the one. I think Muller has earned it. 
we saw what he did against the Marlins with a splint on his glove hand. Like I, I think Anderson and Muller are the two to come with elder, not far behind. O'Day is going to be up soon. Uh, and then I, I like what Freddie Tarnock can do. I don't That's think not- you need to make the move on Schuster, but I think out of the bullpen, Freddie Tarnock could be the guy. Yeah, you know, I, I think they have so much depth that Schuster doesn't really need to be rushed up there. Uh, but I, I think Tarnock's a really interesting bullpen arm. They brought him up, I think, for two-thirds of an inning already, and he punched a guy out, and that was it. But he's somebody that has some great swing and miss stuff and, and could be an option. They have so many arms in the upper levels of the minors uh, right now, as you mentioned. It's just it's ridiculous what the Braves have been able to build there uh, and the depth that they have. They don't really need any more bats, right? Von Grissom's already accumulated what a 0.7 f war and like a handful of games already michael harris has been spectacular i don't know if they bring anybody up offensively i think it's really just riding the hot hand pitcher wise and and they're clearly very comfortable you know bringing up whoever and sending down whoever they don't really care and how about a team in the philadelphia phillies where Mm -hmm. they have not really been calling up any any big time prospects except bryson stott who since the all-star break has been on fire one of the best shortstops in the national league He's been a big lightning bolt for this Phillies team that has shot into contention. So when you look at the Phillies, just as an overall team, it's clear that the bullpen is the issue. They're 16th in ERA. They're 22nd in whip. They also walk a lot of guys. And then you look at this bullpen. There are some nice names in there. Obviously, adding David Robertson at the deadline was a big move. Sir Anthony Dominguez has been probably their best reliever all year. But after that, it's not a lot to hang your hat on. And they're going to get Bryce Harper back for the offense. Like there's nobody really on offense that I'm looking at that I think the Phillies should definitely add. I think arms have to be it. Yep. And I know the Phillies, they're headlined by a lot of their top prospects and Mick Abel, Andrew Painter, guys like that. But I don't know if they're truly ready yet to be called up in September. Like who are the arms that you guys are looking at in September? I'm looking at Andy Painter, and I'm looking at Carl Crawford's kid that they just drafted out of <laughs> high school. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's rough. I they're in a weird spot. I, I love Mick Abel and Andy Painter, and both those guys just got bumped up to Double A, which is awesome. Uh, definitely expedites uh, you know their development here, but they're, they're just not ready yet. So, well, like guys, we're laughing, and then the Braves call it Vaughn Grisham, and he hits a home run in his first well, game. Yeah, 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 nowadays, I'm just mentioning the top years old. prospect. It doesn't matter. I mean, Vaughn Grissom's like 14. It's you know what? You're right. Joe Nuxall was 15 when he made his major league debut. So Andy Painter can do it, dude. Andy Painter's crazy. Can we can we give him some love real quick? A 119 ERA, 75 in a third innings. He's punched out 118. They'll never do it. But a, a one one guy that I do think could slot in for them is is Bailey Falter, who has been really solid. A 25 year old in AAA. Pitching to a 191 ERA, 47 innings. He's punched out 49 and walked just six. Nothing jumps off the page. Obviously, the stuff isn't fantastic, but the slider is pretty good. I think the stuff would tick up if he's used more in a swingman role, can spot start. That's a guy that I'm expecting to potentially be able to you know, fit in a little bit more, a left-handed pitcher that they could probably use that is a bit of a Swiss Army knife. They don't have anything that's going to put them over the top, but Little additions like that, I think, can really help. And Bailey Falter seems to be one of the best options. Yeah, I I think Philly can look at the September call-ups as roster expansion, more so than like getting a top prospect up there to make an impact, right? Because that, in essence, is what September call-ups are. Like if you have a couple of guys that have made the Philadelphia to 
Allentown, Pennsylvania. I don't even know if there's a flight. I bet they just like drive. Uh, but, you know, th- there are teams where like Chicago to Charlotte, like there is a guy who could have the Chicago to Charlotte flight named after him or like O'Hare to Des Moines, that type of thing. Indy to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, that is that's kind of what we're looking at here. Um I think a guy, honestly, like Mark Appel. Yeah, why is Mark Appel not up there? Appel could find himself on a postseason roster this year just because, like, you get to add two guys. It's wild. Appel Appel was good. He went 10 innings. What, gave up, like, two runs in his 10 innings? I know there wasn't a ton of swing and miss, but I would love to see more Appel at the big league level. Get outs, get outs. Watch Cal Quantrill every fifth day, right? That's what I'm talking about. If we're if we're talking just to fill in the holes just a little bit, one guy that you haven't named, and and honestly, I'm just, I'm just looking at some of these prospect lists, and there's a 23 year old in Double A right now, Griff McGar- Mick Griff McGarry. Yeah, is he someone? I mean, he's a 23 year old with a 70 grade fastball. Looks like he has pretty good stuff. Is he someone that could help the Phillies bullpen? If they're going to make one aggressive assignment, it would be. Probably Griff McGarry, right? Because they're not going to do it with Abel. They're not going to do it with Painter. So God forbid someone goes down. If they were going to force somebody up and it's not going to be Bailey Falter, that's the only guy. But I, I I think they really like him at this point. Like McGarry has really turned yeah. himself into what is one of the more exciting, I think, emergent pitching prospects this year. And I don't know if they want to stifle that development. Didn't Eric Miller rep them at the Futures game? Eric Miller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eric yeah, Miller like- did. He's in triple. I mean, he could be a guy. He's a lefty. <laughs> he is a lefty. He does throw with his left arm. Oh, Hoppy also repped him in the Futures game. So Yes. Now, raking in the Angels org, yeah, by the way. He's a trash panda. Also, there was a video of uh, Ohapi, his pop time down to second base. Oh, I saw like that. One seven or something. Yeah, he's, yeah, been, he's been a freak defensively. Like, it was just the bat. I saw him in short season ball, and I was like, this dude is an athlete at catcher in 2019. But... Oh, Hoppy, I'm I'm glad that he's hitting now because that's a very, very good athlete. Very intriguing prospect there. Let's move on to the St. Louis Cardinals because, you know, all we've heard is how good this Cardinals system is. I mean, they were in the Juan Soto sweepstakes for a reason because they could deal a guy like Dylan Carlson possibly in their outfield, but then they had some of the top prospects overall in baseball. But... Like, is a guy like Liberator going to help them moving forward? Jack's already shaking his head. Arm's already shaking his head. Who who maybe besides Matthew Liberator? Because that's the big name. But who's someone who could give the Cardinals a little bit of a boost? On the hill, two guys in the bullpen. Both uh, lefties, I want to say. Yeah. Jojo Romero, who came back for Edmundo Sosa. And Zach Thompson, previous top 20 pick. First round pick. First round pick who was working his way through the minor leagues as a starter, was really sputtering, got up to the Cardinals this year as a bullpen piece, came back down. Apparently this fucker hit 101 with his heater. Zach Mm. Thompson could be a lefty throwing 101 a la Genesis Cabrera, and you got Jojo Romero, who is electric at the back end of that Memphis bullpen. I think two arms that you got to look at if you're not looking at starting pitching, and I don't think Libby – honestly, I don't think you throw Libby out there in a major league game right now and have much confidence. No, he's getting hit a lot in Memphis. Um, Jojo Romero, Zach Thompson. Those are the two guys on the hill. Um, what about, I mean, you just had a recent interview with a guy like Alec Burleson, who's now in AAA on the call up, like definitely go check out that interview on arms podcast, the call up Alec Burleson from everything you show me, he rakes after listening to the interview, he's got a perfect mindset to hit baseballs. Yeah. Do you think he can make an impact with the Cardinals? 
if yes, I, I, I really want to see him up there because I think he's built for it. I really do. And and he, they've been super aggressive with him, right? I mean, he, you talk about the mindset and, and where he is mentally. What I loved about the interview is he was really honest and talked about how he struggled at the end of last year in AAA because he went high A, double A, triple A all in one season. And he never thought he was going to get to triple. And he almost had this like imposter syndrome to a degree where he just felt like, do I really belong here? And offseason really focused on the mental side returns this year. And he's been one of the best hitters in triple A 326, 367, 535 slash line with 20 homers. And he's only striking out 15% of the time. The question is, where does he fit in? Who does he take ABs from? The Cardinals seem to love Lars Newpar. I know he's had some big moments here and there, but I think Burleson can give you kind of fire. I know. I know. I just think Burleson can give you so much bat to ball wise, power wise. He's not the best defender in the world. And I think that's probably some of the concern there, but 23 years old already just hit at every single stop. If they need him, you know, if if Newpar goes down, if someone gets hurt, I think Burleson is the number one guy they bring up and he's pretty much shown already to be as, as close to big league ready as, as anybody can be. And I think he is ready. It's more of just when he fits in for the Cardinals. In terms of the international league leaderboard, Alec Burleson is uh, currently the uh, leader in terms of the batting title. Uh, he's hitting 326, Jonathan Aranda, 323. We might get to Aranda. We'll, in a we'll get to here. him. Uh, but Burleson, 20 bombs. That's tied for third. Uh, he's tied for second in RBIs. He's one back at Kyle Stowers. Um, Burleson is what? He's third in slugging. He's fourth in OPS. Extra base hits. He is uh, tied for seventh. He's first in total bases. He has been the best hitter in the International League. And if there is an IL MVP, Burleson's going to win it. Another guy, don't forget about him. Juan Yepes is on a rehab assignment right now. Oh, yeah. That guy can freaking hit. That guy can hit. Also, Pujols' comments about him. Like, Pujols was saying, like, oh, yeah, this guy, like, this guy's going to be a problem. Dude, okay. When when Albert Pujols says that. Yeah, you know it, but how about what Pujols just did? A grand slam today. He's 10 Again? off the 700. Hit a grand slam. I So, uh, full full disclosure, I, I was in a lot of pain, like I said last night, slept in today. Like, first time in a while, just slept till like 11.30, woke up disoriented, caught up on work, and then didn't catch any of the games. I've missed Pujols' last three homers. And if you remember, before, in early part of this year, I said, if there's one thing I'm going to be locked in on the whole year, it's Pujols' chase for 700, which is impossible and it's not going to happen, so I'm going to pretend like it's possible. We're almost in shouting distance here. We're 10 away. Let the if, countdown If he commence. hits 700, we're throwing a party. I swear Arm, to God. Arm, you should have just prolonged the, the hip surgery. You should have said, you know what, Doc? Uh, Pujols is up to 700. I, I I got to do be surgery in. next year. So how about this? Not to, not to stray us off the path though. So I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but the second Pujols was announced. I think I've mentioned it a few times. Second Pujols was announced that he was going back to, to St. Louis. I popped out of bed at two in the morning, maxed out my credit card and bought tickets to go to that game. The final game at Bush stadium. Could you imagine if he's one away in the final regular season game at Bush stadium? I just just what that would be the thing like is he has to hit one every four games at this point <laughs> and he just he because right now we're about 44 games left in the schedule I mean he would have to go full Barry Bonds mode but if there's anyone who could do it the swing works it still plays swing, he was an all-star plays. all-star Albert Pujols yeah all-star, <laughs> yeah, all-star. All-star. home run derby first round champion Albert Pujols uh Pujols here's the thing like you don't even need to groove fastballs to him all you need to do is put a lefty into the game 
Literally. Like I just need other teams tipping their cap to Albert. And every time you see him have a lefty enter the game. I really want to see the Rays face um, the Cardinals at the end of the year. And like he hit 700 off Shane McClanahan, like 99 <laughs> like away just from him. Just, just put it into the right field feds. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers because the Brewers are built on pitching, but they did give away Josh Hader at the deadline. And now the bullpen has been pretty bad. Um, I mean, Matt Bush Crazy how that been- works. Yeah, it's funny. Matt Bush has been fine. Taylor Rogers has not been. And then you got guys like Brad Boxberger, Homie Miller, Homie Milner, Brett Suter, and, you know, a couple other guys in here. It's just not very strong outside of Devin Williams. The rotation is pretty set. You got Burns, you got Ashby, you got Peralta, you got Woodruff, we got Lauer. So they don't really need a starter, but they really could use some bullpen depth. And they could also use a hitter that can hit a lefty. This team going into today has around a 754 OPS as a team against right-handed pitching, 655 OPS against lefties. That's been their kryptonite this entire season. Who could help the Brewers hit a lefty and who could help the Brewers late in games close it down? I'll I'll jump on the lefty thing real quick um, because it's funny. We we were talking about on the call-up how Sal Freelich has quietly had just one of the most insane campaigns this year. He was our first-round pick last year, but he's a left-handed hitter, bat-to-ball guy. I, I love Freelich, and, and he could add a dynamic to them that you know is really exciting, but that doesn't really satisfy the specific need. And also, you know, they need a little bit more thump. You look at Asturi Ruiz, and and I mean, he's already on the 40, man. That's got to be the guy that you're pushing the chips forward on. And, and I feel like if you're trading Josh Hader, which you know they obviously did, and they did get a good prospect return, but I think the thought, I believe the thought was that Ruiz can help them at some point this year. Yeah. He has not been great at the big league level, but has continued to hit when he's back and forth. He's been fine back in AAA for the Brewers there. He adds speed as well but crushes lefties and I think has that dynamic where he can play all three outfield spots. Asturi Ruiz has to be the guy that you are bringing up down the stretch here. And you got to live or die by him. I, even if he's a bench piece down the road or a platoon piece, the speed that he brings, of course, has 60 stolen bases across all the levels this year. Like that's a guy you need to have in the fold here. He will create runs on his own and he can hit lefties. Ruiz could really help them. Jack, yeah, they I'm, have any uh, airbenders in the minor leagues? <laughs> uh, they do not have airbenders, but they have some guys that are on their way. Um, I think Ruiz is the right choice there. Um, and again, we go back to riding a hot hand. And I know that Ruiz has cooled off a little bit when he's been up in the bigs. But, I mean, this was a pop-up guy this this season. I mean, out of nowhere, Ruiz has put together this season. That's why he had such trade capital in that hater deal. Um, I think Ruiz is the guy there. Two bullpen pieces I want to shout out. I think people forget that Trevor Rosenthal was acquired, um, which yeah, Aram and I touched on. It was like super weird that they didn't just sign him as a free agent. But Rosenthal is gearing up for a major league, you know, season debut. I want to say because he never pitched with San Francisco, right? No, they signed nope. him and traded him before yeah. he even did anything. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> or like a good prospect, brain. Tristan Peters, like one thirty WRC plus, like high A. Yeah, like we that's, can't give the Brewers a good tra- a good deadline grade after they do that. That just no. that docks them down, even if they were at a C. I mean, you get a D. Like that's yeah. what happens. Possibly. And Antoine Kelly, I think that's a guy that could have brought up. He was a futures game guy that probably, if you moved him into the bullpen, you could have gave him an opportunity up there. But who do you like as a guy that can fit in, Jack? Guy that we saw in Biloxi, Lucas Urseg. I saw him yeah. again in Nashville. Urseg was a position player 
that was dealing with um I, I watched a really good feature on Urseg actually. He was a position player that you know dropped out of ball for a little bit, um, was dealing with like a really bad bout of depression. Um, because he kind of saw the writing on the wall there. He he got his life in order, uh, hopped on the mound. And this dude is like pumping 98, 99 yeah. with his heater. So I, I highly recommend checking out Lucas Urseg, who's a righty out of that bullpen that might be able to help. And he's on the older side for, I think he's 27 or 28 years old. 27. Already. He's yeah. 27, but he throws gas. So give me more guys that throw gas. Who's going to help the pirates. No, just kidding. <laughs> Let's move on to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And this one's going to be fun because they don't need shit. I mean, what they need is to get Craig Kimbrell out of the closer position because I think you can make the argument he's their worst reliever right now. Yes. I mean, Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips, Alex Vessia, they are so loaded in the bullpen. They're going to get Dustin May back. um, And I'm sure that's kind of their September call-up because he looks like DeGrom in the minor leagues. And then you go through the offense, they certainly don't need anything. Um, Miguel Vargas has been the guy who, you know, has already gotten had a cup of coffee in the bigs. Maybe he's the answer here. But let's just have fun with this one because there is no needs. So just who are some Dodgers prospects that could possibly get the call up in September? Well, a little bit on the older side, but I remember they signed Dellen Betances to a minor league deal before <laughs> the year began. Um, yeah, I'm actually shocked they didn't turn him into back into Dellen Betances, maybe even better. The arm must have just been that cooked, yeah. uh, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, I – on the offensive side, they've got so many dudes. They don't need them, and that's the problem. And you're not going to bring a guy up to to just temper his ABs, which is why pretty much the only reason why we haven't seen Miguel Vargas up because I think the bat is pretty much big league ready. Dustin May, as you talked about, he has looked as good as ever. He looks like the Dustin May that we saw pre-injury just pitching in the minors, meaning a guy that can dominate the big leagues that's just getting back in the minors and just really throwing bullpens with guys standing in there at this point. I think he had an immaculate ending. Like it's been a joke for him. Uh, What I do like about the Dodgers situation though, is they do have a couple pitchers that all of a sudden, if they really wanted to be aggressive, could end up helping out. They moved two guys up to AAA, Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. Both are disgusting. And I actually think Gavin Stone could be the guy that helps them more this year. I think the arsenal is a bit more big league ready. Bobby Miller has been a, bit susceptible to contact the fastball is triple digits but it's flat at times it's a little bit of the hunter green effect whereas stone is much you know more of a guy that throws three to four pitches that move in all different directions if you get stone in two to three inning spurts or even one to two inning spurts he is going to be disgusting i think we could see gavin stone at some point this year as a starter he's striking out more than 13 per nine as a reliever i think he could be devastating and he can also fill in if you need somebody to you know stretch out for a few more innings gavin stone's my pick to to really help them potentially this year and i wouldn't be surprised if they do it anybody else jack uh i mean offensively they are so ridiculously fun like (laughs) you could make the argument that Edwin Rios, Miguel Vargas, Ryan Noda, James Outman could all come up and immediately contribute to this lineup, and they're just not going to get the opportunity to do it. Outman already did when he came up for five seconds, Um, and then they sent him back down because they were like, you're not elite. Ryan Noda is the 875 OPS guy that nobody talks about. It's so weird. It's so weird. Ryan Noda does not. Ryan Noda has to be the most ignored guy who rakes of all time I, another guy double a for the dodgers ryan ward another yep, yep. one so ignored like 900 ops all the time 27 pumps this year as a 24 year old in double a no ryan one ward yeah i mean it's just ridiculous they spawn and then i i sent you ronan cop earlier he's like oh, a 19 yes. year old in low a that is like 100 with a nasty bender and he's got like a sub one era 
So Baseball America just ranked the Dodgers as the number two farm system in baseball. They're going to win 108 games this yeah. year with the number two farm system. Do you guys agree with that ranking there at number two? I mean, we haven't done full farm system rankings yet, but just off the top of your head, how many more farm systems can you name that are better than the Los Angeles Dodgers? There's a there's a clear-cut three at the top, and I think you can order them in whichever way you see yes. fit. Baltimore, the Dodgers, Cleveland. That's how Baseball America did it. Um, me personally, I- without any input from Aram, I think I would go – Cleveland, the Dodgers, Baltimore. Yeah, something along those. I I would have to legitimately, like, it's so ridiculous what Cleveland and the Dodgers have right now. The Guardians and the Dodgers, I almost would have to go, like, tick for tat. Like, just go list every single player down and be like, okay, how many, how many do the Dodgers have of, like, 50 future value and above, and how many do the Guardians have? Because the Guardians are pretty insane as well in so many different ways. And then also, you know, the Reds are, are creeping up. Yeah. The Reds, they got a little bit more work to do depth-wise to be up there with the other guys. But, yeah, I think those top three, I agree. It's They're kind of in, in a tier of their own, and I legitimately would have to write it all out and stack it up because it's that ridiculous. It's like comparing two billionaires and, like, trying to decide who has more money by just right. eyeballing the room. Well, And don't forget about the Angels with Sonny Deshera and Ben Joyce. I love Sonny Deshera. I do too. <laughs> and Zach Neto. And Zach Neto. And the, oh, Hoppy. The team that's trying to catch the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they probably won't, but they're definitely going to be contenders, is the San Diego Padres, who traded away their entire farm system <laughs> to get Juan Soto, and deservedly so, because Juan Soto could be technically a prospect still at age of 23 <laughs> years yeah. old. When you look at the San Diego Padres, the offense is pretty set. Now, Josh Bell, you basically has turned into Eric Hosmer since coming (laughs) over to the San Diego Padres, but we all expect him to get better and nobody's looking for any sort of offense to be called up. I mean, you can make the argument now at shortstop. Do you replace a guy like Haseon Kim? I don't think they need to. So basically the offense is a wash. And when the rotation looks like Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Manaya, and Clevenger, what are you going to do there? But you look at the bullpen, the same bullpen that is 10th in ERA, so not too shabby. And then they added Josh Hader, but there still is some guys in there that I don't love. And I feel that they could add someone. Is there anybody in the pitching ranks in the Padre system that they didn't trade away, that AJ Preller didn't use as a chess piece? that could eventually help them in September. Aram, what do you think? So they tried a guy that I talked about before the year uh, as a low-key addition. He was in the Adam Frazier, we fucked up version of the trade. Uh, Ray Kerr, who I I thought could be a dynamite left-handed pitching prospect for them as a reliever. Uh, He came up and in, I think, five innings just was not great. But I'm very interested. I don't know if this is a cop-out because I think he could come back and be good for them now that he's been in the minors, has started to get things going again, and I think could be a really awesome piece for them. He's a lefty, 27 years old, that can reach triple digits with with the fastball, with a wipeout breaking ball as well. It's just really like so many different guys with the with the kind of stuff that he has. The command, 24 walks and 30 innings in AAA didn't help. 44 Ks, though. Kerr has been much more under control over his last few outings. And that's a guy that I think could really be a piece for them in the bullpen. If he's just half decent with the command, that's a nasty left-handed reliever that could really help you. Anybody else, Jack? 
I, I would have said uh, Michelle Baez, um, six eight righty. Baez on August tenth allowed eight earned runs and got one out. So his ERA is now at five. Just horrible. But aside from that, like Baez, opponents are hitting two sixteen against him so far this year, and he's punching out a bunch of dudes. Baez was a big name for them. It was Michelle Baez, Adrian Morajone, and Andres Nunez. Obviously, know that Nunez is very good at pitching. Uh, Morajone is a TJ guy, and I think Morajone is very, very good. And Baez is kind of the forgotten man. Um, I don't think Michelle Baez can do anything to note there. Pomerantz is on a rehab assignment. Um, that's about Who it. Can be dirty. I, I mean, think yeah, Paul I'm interested. Is on like that's huge for the Padres. They paid him for a reason. I mean, you'd be surprised to see how much he, he makes. Deserved this it. Game. Yeah, he, he was it. He was nasty. I, I think that's a really interesting X factor. And then just to throw a name out there, even though Peter mentioned, you know, I was going to ask Peter what he thought too in terms of like how badly do they need a bat right now? They probably don't. But if someone goes down, Eggy Rosario is a guy that could yes. play all over the infield. He he's played really well in triple a so far this season and it's really hit at every stop i mean he's a bat to ball guy that now has developed more power 19 homers 20 stolen bases in triple a this year while striking out 20 percent of the time he's played short he's played third he's played second that's a guy that if you have the extra roster spot not a bad bench piece to have given that the triple a season will pretty much be over that's someone that i think you know could be that reserve for them if they need another bat before we move on to the american league i think i need arm to do a spin and not and it's it's for the merch. I mean, look how crisp and white that long sleeve tee is. But I don't want him to get up because I don't want him to go back under the knife and get more surgery. <laughs> oh man, stand Fuck. up as quick as you can. Try yeah, jumping. as quick as you can. Let, yeah, shuttle jumping jacks in that thing. I mean, look how far that 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 piece of look at the back. For all those watching on YouTube, look at that piece of merch. Go check it out in our episode description. We have new long sleeve athletic just baseball tees, as well as our favorites. They're always sold out. It's the Ropats. They're back in our merch store. Go check that that out. Jack, Arm, we um, Jack and I made a deal, um, which doesn't really make sense because he should get free merch anyway. But I wanted to make it more fun. If the White Sox got a win against the Astros in this series, that he gets free merch. And the White <laughs> Sox have been there. They've taken two out of three. And they're going to face him again tonight, so he might get more extra extra merch. merch. Extra merch. merch. And we're never yeah. going to use. And also because the White Sox have now won two games, the code fade Jack can never be used again. Yeah. So one thing too, uh, we we were initially just kind of going to mess around with the athletic tease as like a player promux. We send merch to, to guys that come on the show. And, um, but these came out so well, we're like, let's, we got, we got to just make more of these. So Fire. everyone's can, loved them. Let's make them for the I common these folk. Long yeah, for the common folk, or for ourselves even. Um, so I, it's my favorite shirt now. I'm not going to lie. It's not even just like a sales pitch here. It's it's pretty awesome. And uh, I, I didn't realize it until people kept stopping me at the game and saying, like, where can I get one of those? And I was like, just baseball.com. And they're like, wow. okay. It's Traveling cool. salesman. Let's talk about yeah. the New York Yankees. Um, the Yankees already called up a couple of guys recently. A guy named yeah. Oswald, Oswaldo Cabrera, who's going to be starting at shortstop tonight. And I'm going to be at that game, Yankees versus Blue Jays. Ooh. And they also called up Estevan Florial, who's been up and down and is just seems like a better option than Aaron Hicks at this point. I mean, at least Aaron Hicks, can you field? If you can't yeah, hit, that's one that... thing. Can you field? So they called up those two guys. And Ron Marinacho, he's back up, and he's been a disgusting reliever. Um, I know Jack's smiling because of my pronunciation, and that was incredible elite pronunciation by me. It was pretty me. impeccable. It was impeccable. got the second E, Marinaccio. You know what? Marinacho. 
leave me alone. I want Albert Abreu to not be pitching much in this bullpen anymore. And Lucas Litke is fine. We can go over some of the top prospects on the pitching side because it seems like offense. Like everybody knows about Oswald Peraza, who's the best Yankees shortstop prospect outside of Anthony Volpe, who realistically, if if the Braves are calling up Vaughn Gershom at 21, I mean, what's what's to stop the Yankees from calling up Anthony Volpe, who just stole his 40th base down there in double-A in Somerset? But let's focus on some pitchers because Luis Heel Arum is not the answer right now. Now he has no command in the minor leagues. I think last time I checked, he's got an ERA over seven. He's out for the year and he's out for the year anyway. Yeah. So it's funny because I look at the, the 40 man too. There's another 40 man situation. Yes. Um, I want to speak briefly on Cabrera because he started horribly and has been, we talk about riding the hot hand. I like that the Yankees are doing this here because you, you could force up, you know, some of the other guys. They've had a lot of pressure from from fans to to bring up Peraza. I know that Aaron Boone has had to answer questions on that on several occasions. But here's the thing: Peraza's not on the forty man roster, so you're self imposing a roster crunch there. But you know, or excuse me, Peraza is on the forty man roster, but Cabrera is also on it. Who's not on the forty man is Volpe. So if you bring up Volpe, you're self imposing a forty man crunch there. Cabrera has been spectacular over the last 40 games where he's hitting 293, 376, 551 with a 145 WRC plus. He's a switch hitter who can play all over the infield. He's going to play shortstop, like you said today. I I really think he could be an interesting bat for them. And the power is sneaky for a guy that is not that big. And then you talk about the outfield. I mean, Floreal. I don't know how well he's going to hit. He does have power. He definitely hits the ball hard. He's putting together the best offensive season we've probably seen from him at the upper levels. But you know damn well he's going to be better than what, what Aaron Hicks is dealing with right now in the outfield, which is surprising because Hicks has been rough. To answer your question, though, Clark Schmidt, man. I, Clark Schmidt, I really like what we're seeing from him. Is he? Have they really discussed bringing him up? Has he been back up much yet as of late? Like, I, I feel like off. Clark Schmidt. Everything I've seen from him in the minors, the stuff looks great. He's getting swings and misses in bunches now that he's been, you know, starting to put it together fastball slider wise. Clark Schmidt's a guy that could be a great swing man for them. What have I said since the beginning with Clark Schmidt? I have his PSA card. I'm trying to become a billionaire. Call the call his ass up. He's dominating in the minor leagues. You keep putting Domingo Herman out there, which just pisses me off. I don't even care if he does well. I mean, Clark Schmidt right now is a better option right now, I think, than Domingo Herman. And if you're not going to put him in the rotation, I understand, but at least give him some swingman-type duties because he's better than some of the relievers that they have right now in their pen. Jack, is there anybody else that comes to mind when you think about the New York Yankees and as you roll up your Oakland A's jersey, yeah. which is just a travesty in itself? People on YouTube get a ticket to the gun show right no, now. No, that tattoo. My guy's yeah, tatted right. wearing an A's jersey. Looks like not a only am I, Not only am I smart, but I am hot and have multiple tattoos. <laughs> anybody want to marry me? Joke's on you. I'm in a committed relationship. You look like Jose Canseco right now. Yeah. So what I'm going for right now is Jimmy Cordero. <laughs> a 30-year-old right-hander with the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders who had a 6 ERA with the White Sox last year. Different Jimmy Cordero this year, baby. He rolls up his sleeves. He has the biceps popping, and it's 100 at your face. He's got a 216 ERA right now in Scranton. Ooh, Highly recommend. Okay. If you need another flamethrower out of the pen, 30-year-old Jimmy Cordero who looks so less menacing without his beard. I like that. I don't know. Um, last thing I want to say on Clark Schmidt, by the way, 
he went six hitless innings uh, against uh, Boston's AAA affiliate back on the 11th. The Woo Sox. 11 Ks. The Woo Sox. 11 Ks there. And the big difference has been slider usage. He's going to his nasty slider more, uh, and the fastball is ticked up a little bit. Again, another decent start where he went four and two thirds, seven Ks as well. 18 strikeouts over his last two outings, his last 10 and two thirds innings. This guy's probably ready to go. And then you bring up a bullpen arm or two. I think the Yankees are in a pretty good spot, but uh, they have to piece it together a little bit with your boy Clay Holmes out, Peter. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Let's move on to the Toronto Blue Jays. Pitching is the problem because they're not going to add anything to this offense. I mean, from top down, especially when George Springer comes back, they are loaded on offense. And you look at their bench, too. They're pretty set there. But we look at a rotation with Jose Barrios in it, who, for the lack of a better word, has been bad. Like, uh, what what else do you want me to say? It's not been uh, good. That's, that's, that's fair. I think that's fair. Mitch White is the guy who can give them innings, but I don't think he's... I don't think he's lighting up anything for Toronto Blue Jays fans right now. Ross Stripling, again, a guy who can give innings. And then you have Manoa and Gosman at the top. And then they have a solid bullpen, but not a great bullpen. And I know Blue Jays fans probably all want to hear about the lefty and the minors that we saw at the Futures game, Ricky Tiedemann, who does look nasty in double A, but is he truly ready yet? And forgive me, what happened to Nate Pearson? (laughs) Yeah, um, those are all really important topics. And I think that's all why we're kind of here, like where we're at right now with the Blue Jays, right? The expectation was Jose Barrios would shove, like you paid him and traded for him to do. He's not. The expectation was Nate Pearson, you know, consensus top 100 prospect over the last however many years would be healthy this year and contribute. That is not happening. Tiedemann has been a wonderful development, but but he's just still too far off. So they're in this weird in-between spot right now. And Jack, I, they don't have a ton of guys that I look at and I feel really good about being able to potentially help them. I mean, I, I look from top to bottom and on the pitching side, I, I think Mitch White has been one of their best options and that was a good good trade for them. But they, like Peter said, they're, they're leaning on him to do a lot right now. And I, I look through the minor leagues, there's nobody that really jumps at me. There's a few minor league arms, I would say Brandon Isert might be the best. 60 Ks in 45 and two thirds, a three one five ERA in triple A. Like there's just nobody with with much uh I would say prospect pedigree up there that I, I think you can feel really good about. Maybe a Max Castillo. No, I I mean I think this is gonna be the, the saddest uh September first for any of the contenders. I don't think there's much going on in Buffalo right now on the pitching side. Um offensively like there are some pieces there, but like you mentioned, Peter, like they don't need offense. 34-year-old Casey Lawrence might make sense for them. Like Casey Lawrence has been good in triple. Um, that's really sad. <laughs> so I, I have no idea what they're going to do. I'm just trying to figure out where the hell Julian Merriweather is. He's on a rehab <laughs> yeah, assignment. He was... He'll be there. Because Dude, he is I... so nasty when he pitches, and he pitches like once a year, and he throws 104, and then he goes right back down with an injury, or goes down the minor leagues, and I'm like – I feel like he could be sick when he's up. Yeah, but uh, we have funny. a son. It's funny, man. I have a fl- I had a flashback of like when you said Julian Merriweather, of like one of our first episodes ever recording with Peter and Peter just being like, we were like, I talked to Peter before we recorded. We both watched like the, the random Blue Jays game where Merriweather just, just slapped his, you like know what, Nolan on the table. Ryan. Yeah. And, and Peter was like, <laughs> he looked like Nolan Ryan. I was like, honestly, like 
kind of did. He was a freak. Uh, but yeah, he hasn't stayed healthy. Just those guys have not stayed healthy for them. Okay, so you just said he slapped his you-know-what on the table. Uh, Peter and I have had this conversation not once but twice this week. Peter, instead of using the word dick to say it, he said penis on this podcast. Oh, that, that does not ring well at all. It's yeah, I'd rather throwing baseballs down the penis. Yeah, like he said, down the penis instead of down the dick. That is so unfortunate but then, to but, hear, but, right? But, but to that, this is now Jack brings it up. This is Jack bringing it up the third time. Like, I used it one time. Sue me. Jack then brings it up the next day, and he's I was like just coercing so me to say it. And now, day three, <laughs> I feel like Jack Loki wants to hear me say it. Like, there is no way that he's that upset about it. Yeah. But that brings it up, and he's like, Peter, say the thing. Peter, no, I, say the thing. I love talking about genitalia. That's one of my favorite things to do, actually. Um, no, I mean, listen, man. Like, I thought I just thought it was so weird when you said it. Like, that word just kind of stuck in the back of my brain. I was laying in bed last night. I woke up in a cold sweat. I'm like, did Peter actually say the word penis on the podcast that we slave over every day? He ruined it all. Our credibility in the gutter because you said penis. First of all, you have now said it more times than me. <laughs> Second of all, this is day three of a five-day-a-week podcast. I'm so Jack faced by it. Up. Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays need hitting, guys. Yeah. I mean, Harold Ramirez just returned from injury, which is huge for them because he hits 330 for some fucking reason. And, um, But, I mean, Jose Siri just can't hit water if he fell off a boat. One, the two. outfield is fine. You got you added David Peralta, which is a really nice addition at the deadline. Randy Rosarena still rakes. But, I mean, G-Man Choi has fallen off a cliff lately. You know, at catcher, Mike Zunino is out, and Francisco Mejia has not taken that next step as a hitter. They have Christian Bethencourt as well, but they really just need an offensive upgrade, and I'm sure they could use it at kind of anywhere they can get it. The rotation, they just got Luis Patino back. You add him to Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Ryan Yarbrough, Jeffrey Springs, Corey Kluber, we could go on. And then the bullpen is obviously elite. Their bullpen ERA is eighth in baseball. But I honestly think you could argue that it's one because of how good it is. But they're going to get Wander Franco back. They're going to get Manny Margot back. So that will help the offense. But who else in the minor leagues? And also Nick Anderson is coming back, who's looking yeah. great on his rehab assignment too. So reinforcements are coming. Maybe with the Tampa Bay Rays, it's not really in the system. It's it's due to the injuries. But we all know that the Rays could pull up anybody they want. Jack, who do you think is going to help them? I'm going to toss to arm right away. Jonathan Aranda. Yeah, this is a guy I've been on for a while. Um, you know, I've I've loved Aranda for I, I, I another one of those guys that just back to ball was always there. Now the power's there, and def- lack of defensive home was kind of what held him back. But again, I was going to kind of throw it to you before we dove into this because the Rays, Peter, that is because the Rays have so many upper level minor league guys that I think could help. You know, we saw Josh Lowe get a chance. Obviously he, he struggled, but they've got Curtis Mead. Uh, we've seen Bruhan get chances, but it struggled. Uh, I think Curtis Mead could really help them, but you look at what they're missing. And I think Choi has been, you know, pretty frustrating. Like you said, Peter, Aranda can fill right in for that. Yes. Aranda's a left-handed bat who offers, I think just as much production power wise and much better bat to ball. And I think he could be just as good of a defender. 
Arana's hit at every single stop. I think if you pulled up, whoever's listening to the podcast right now, pull up Jonathan Aranda's stats and you'll be like, why the hell have I not heard about this guy more? He has hit over 300 over the last couple of years and like comfortably over 300. He doesn't strike out. He walks a ton and he's hit 16 home runs in AAA this year. Anytime I talk to anybody in the upper minors and I say, who's one hitter that deserves more attention? Any player I ask, they go, Jonathan Aranda, our pitchers always complain about not being able to get him out. I've heard that at least five times from different minor leaguers, from different orgs. Everyone talks about Aranda, yet he's not on any top prospect list and we barely hear about him. This guy's going to come up and it's going to be another one of those, where'd this Rays guy come from? I'm telling you, I think he can help them now and I hope they do it. So last year between high A and double in 100 games, Aranda slashed 330, 418, 543. This year in 95 games in triple, he slashed 323, 396, 526. Aranda's ready to go. He's ready, ready, ready to go. Um, two other guys I want to shout out. If you want a mobile pop with a bunch of punch outs, might I point you in the direction of Tristan Gray, who's got, I think, 28 pumps, but he's hitting 220 with like 120 Ks and 890 games or something. Like you need um, him. Yeah, pretty much. And then um, Mead. Mead, I love Mead. I think Mead uh, could help. I think Mead could help for whatever reason. I, I, you know, th- he's only 21, which is crazy. So they might take their time a little bit with him. Uh, but I, I really hope they call up Aranda. And then they also have, I hope I say it right. I, I see Rays fans talk about him a lot, and he's been really good as of late. Miles Mastrubwani. Mastrubwani. Mastrubwani can play all over, and he's hitting pretty well in triple. Can steal some bags. He's fast. Hasn't he gotten guy an audition watch. already? Uh, no, no, he's never he got an audition. He's like a Whit Merrifield light from one good farm system to the next. The Guardians, let's just gush over it. I mean, let's just gush over who potentially they could call up. But when you look at this Guardians team, they're pretty solid all the way around. You make your jokes about Kyle Quantrill when in reality he's the best in baseball and he ain't leaving anytime soon. How did you do but yesterday? Who- I missed that. I was I was not feeling well. <laughs> what? He didn't have it. You know, sometimes you don't have it. Did the Guardians win the game by four? Yes. Was it because of him? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Let's talk about Aaron Savali because Aaron Savali has looked better of late striking out a lot of guys, but I don't know true. You know what? Never mind. Aaron Savali's fine. Let's, I mean, we could, th- there really is no real weaknesses on the Guardians team. Like a guy like Oscar Gonzalez has been hitting fourth for th- for them, and he's a young prospect too, they called up, who just hits the living piss out of the ball. Like even when he gets out, it's line outs to center field. This guy is going to be a good hitter in baseball. It seems like for a long time, if he continues to hit the ball with that much authority. But who are just some Guardians prospects that, team should be ready for uh i don't i don't think they should pull the trigger on valera who just got the bump to triple i don't think they should do it will brennan is a guy that we will continue to tell you about dude i mean what will brennan has done this year across double and triple is hit 314 with an 850 ops um brennan is outfield depth he's just another guy that doesn't strike out um, if you're looking for a guy on the older side, I mean, Ernie Clements, always an option to come back up. Mitchell Tolman should be another guy that is an option to come back up. He started amazing. He cooled off drastically, but he's starting to tick up again, hitting 260 with like a 780 OPS. Um, but I think the way that they should attack it is just like put another starting pitcher in the stable, whether it be Xavier Curry or Peyton Battenfield. Um, if I had to pluck two, I think it's Curry and Brennan right now. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Curry's. And I think Curry can give you some pretty good starts. And we, we saw some flashes of it already. That He's got four pitches he's comfortable with. And I think he's he's just your perfect Guardians pitcher. Uh, but I would like to see them potentially give Nolan Jones just some more run. I know they gave him a little bit of a cameo up there. I want to see him just get more ABs. Will Benson's another guy. Like They have so many dudes that, again, you could kind of go back to riding the hot hand here. But I would like to see some of those innings go to guys on the pitching side that I think have a bit more upside than maybe some of the guys that they've been rolling out there from time to time. I don't know how I, I won't pretend that I know how Zach Plesak's been doing as of late. I don't know if either of you guys have not checked great. in on Zach Plesak. Not great, right? I mean, not, I'd rather not see bad, but not great. I feel like Curry at his peak, you know, could give you some, some more upside, some more swing and miss, some more, you know, I think, game altering performances. Uh, Logan Allen has struggled a bit in triple. So I don't know if he's necessarily completely ready. I think Curry would be my guy to bring up there. Uh, and then on the offensive side, I, I would like to see Nolan Jones get some more run. I know he's already gotten a little bit of a, ta- a taste. And then, I mean, catching wise, Bo Naylor, I, Bo Naylor, he's striking out a little bit in triple a, but the zone whiff isn't that bad. He doesn't chase a, t- a crazy amount, and he's going to run into baseballs. And I think with what you're getting or not getting offensively from Hedges and what you're going to get defensively from Hedges, you can feel a little bit better about being a bit early with the promotion of Bo or I think he can really help them at the catching spot. What about Big Jowenski? Young Kensey. <laughs> Young Kensey. Young Kensey. Young Kensey. Young Kensey Noel? No. He uh... – he's not good in double a right now <laughs> yeah but he looks sick what are his numbers in double a arm you getting them 188 266 428 but he yeah. has nine pumps in 28 pumps on the season yeah i mean like he was the best hitter in high a. he was david ortiz in high a yeah. i mean it was like this guy is is jordan alvarez slash david ortiz um and i think we learned from colby that jordan is better than david ortiz already um but yeah, Young Kensey was that guy in high A, and then he goes to double and he is blown up. Um, so yeah, give my guy some time. I don't Minis- think Young Kensey's the guy right now. The Minnesota Twins need pitching, people. Still? Minnesota Twins need pitching. Their offense is loaded. I mean, Jose Miranda looks like the best hitter on their team. He's I so mean, quite good. honestly, he's hitting fourth in the lineup and it seems like he gets a home run every other day. Um, that's a guy Arm and Jack have been very high on, and he has hit the ground running with them. But you look at this rotation, and I would like Dylan Bundy to get less innings than he's currently getting. Tyler Malley has been good since going over to the Minnesota Twins, but he was just pulled only through two and a thirds innings against the Royals. So we got to check up on that situation. Sonny Gray, of course, is good. Joe Ryan is good. And like, we'll, we'll see with Chris Archer, whatever you want to get from him. Adding Jorge Lopez at the deadline was great. Yuan Duran shoves. Michael Fulmer is a stud. But Emilio Pagan gives up a home run every single day. They could use some people in that rotation and possibly who could be giving the Minnesota Twins some spot starts down the stretch. Bro, you, give me, you see AAA there. You see that affiliate a little bit, right? Yeah, bro. Give me 30-year-old Aaron Sanchez. I want Aaron Sanchez throwing for the Minnesota Twins. Dude. I got to know, like, I need – so do you guys remember Javana, Jared and Savannah? That was like a YouTube couple that, like, they would put out all the videos and everything. No, we're not. They were, really. like, huge when we were in middle school. Savannah Montano? Uh, yes. And, yeah, and yeah. Jared, her boyfriend. Yeah, so yeah. you remember that. So that I was, was – too busy, like, you know, surfing waves, talking to chicks. Was yeah. on YouTube like you guys? No, you were too busy talking to chicks in real life. I was just watching them on YouTube thinking, damn, if only I had something like that. 
Um, but so that was the second best romance that I grew up with in middle school. The best romance that I grew up with in middle school was Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman as the boys with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes. I got to know what happened with that falling out. I also got to know what happened after Aaron Sanchez put together like that Cy Young caliber season. Wait, so um, they're not boys anymore? I don't think they're boys anymore. How are me shocked? I heard Marcus Stroman's a really likable dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so ah, I wonder I wonder whose fault that was. Twins um, pitching prospects. <laughs> yeah, 30-year-old Aaron Sanchez. Get him up there. Just went five scoreless his last time out. That was a couple days ago. I think Aaron Sanchez can actually still be a major league pitcher and the twins need major league pitching. So I have a, like a, a hotter take because I think it would take whoever the twins bring up other than Aaron Sanchez, if they bring up a prospect, it's going to be a, a bit of a surprise because it's going to be somebody that they're probably yanking up from double a with maybe a brief stint in triple a. There's two guys that I think if they really want to push the chips forward can help them do it. One is Louis Varland. Louis Varland's a local guy. He's nasty. And, and I really like what we've seen from him in the early going. I believe he was just promoted to triple or just promoted to double. Let me pull it out. Just promoted to triple yeah. and went five shutout innings already. Varland's probably my favorite to get brought up there. He's got a fastball. He also mixes in slider, changeup, and that he'll manipulate that slider to a cutter. Varlin's been really, really good. And, and I think he's been one of the kind of emergent guys at 24 years old. A guy that could be more of a swing man and be even more insane is Matt Cantorino, but he's disgusting and impossible to pick up out of his hand. So that's a guy that because of the unique arm slot, because of how weird he is, they could bring him up. But I think Varland is the most likely option. If he gives us two or three more good starts in AAA, maybe less, maybe just two, uh, I think we could see Varlin get a jump or get a boost up to the big leagues. How about Simeon? Simeon Woods Richardson just got the bump to triple. He's got a three ERA in all of his starts with Wichita. My concern with him is the stuff. You know, it, it, like he throws strikes, he mixes it up, but I don't know. I, I, the, the stuff concerns me a bit. I would rather bring up Louis Varland. Okay. Jack, is it worth talking about your White Sox? They're contenders now. Yeah, I mean, like, Davis Martin has a spot on the Major League roster. Like, I, I just think he That's should be on the Major League roster. Yeah. Um, uh, Lenny and Sosa, I guess, is a backup. Like, those are the two. I guess, Yolbert Sanchez, if you want some defense. Well, that's it. Arm, yeah, you got anything? <laughs> Yolbert Sanchez. Man, I you know, it's funny because their their system is just just not great, right? And yeah. they've had some emergent guys, but, like, Oscar Colas isn't helping you this year. Um. Most of their guys are not really in a position to help. I think Lenin Sosa is still the best option. And uh, Davis Martin's underrated, though. I think that guy can fill in and give you some good innings. But, yeah, yes. the White Sox, yes. they don't have too many internal options that are really going to help them. You know, they did go grab Tobias Myers. I don't think Tobias oh. Myers. Yeah, so he, he could help a little bit. Um, I don't know. I would prefer just a consistent spot for Martin and then have Sosa up there. Um, two other guys that I want to shout out if you're looking for more bats – Obviously, Jake Berger, like Berger has shown that he can be consistent. I think they just want two more roster spots filled. Um, and I think Berger makes sense there. Um, Blake Rutherford has like not been terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Yankees legend. Blake uh, yeah, Rutherford. I've, uh, I, I faced Blake Rutherford in uh, high school. You got a bloop single off me, that piece of shit. He, he was, was a pitcher. Valley. He was pitching. No, no, I was pitching. He was hitting. Oh, we got a bloop uh, single off of you. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of his M.O. 
Yeah, he yeah, exactly. He was one of those um, you know, like when you're playing high school baseball and you see a dude with like every fight necklace on and like every arm sleeve possible and like he's got the flow and he's got like sunglasses on on top of his hat and like behind his hat. Like he that's what he looked like. And I was like, I want to get this dude out so bad. We heard, you know, he's probably gonna be a first round pick. He's so electric. And I was like, fuck you, dude. I'm just gonna throw sliders until you can't hit anymore. And I got him O2, shoved a little piss single and I was so upset because he just brought the base and he's just like yeah but he's a real bro he's from semi valley he's he a real bro good. he was pretty good at baseball though like yeah. he was really electric 25 still i mean that's somebody that could i guess be a fourth outfielder for, but what is he doing for you you know no so i yeah they don't have a lot of options nope shout out blake rutherford Let's move on to the Houston Astros. This one's going to be easy because they have zero weaknesses. You could say Chaz McCormick, I guess, in center field, but it's not like they're going to call up a center fielder right now. And it's not like Chaz McCormick is even that bad. You go to a rotation with Verlander, Framber, Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers, Christian Javier, and Jose Arquiti. Nope. You go to a bullpen with Presley, Montero, Neris, Stanek, Will Smith, Maytone, and Brian Abreu. Nope. I mean, they just have – there's no holes in this team who are just some prospects that could potentially make somewhat of an impact if the Astros decided that they have any holes or if there was possible injury to one of their stars. Hunter Brown. <clears throat> Hunter Brown hasn't slowed down. It's actually pretty annoying um, because Hunter Brown – on any other team, Hunter Brown's in the big leagues right now. I mean, this guy's just carved up AAA, but it, it's funny because – I realized Hunter Brown was screwed when the reports came out during the deadline that the Astros were looking to potentially trade their controllable young pitching at the big league level. So I'm like, okay, if they're trying to clear out already proven starters at the big league level, then they're going to really struggle to find innings for Hunter Brown. But that said, again, rosters expand. You want an extra arm. Hunter Brown has been spectacular. He's going to stick as a starter. He's continued to just carve guys up homegrown dude. Um, if they have an injury, he'll probably be the first in line. And when they need more innings or, you know, they, they have an extra roster spot, Brown will be the guy that we see called up. Yeah. Uh, offensively, there's a 25 year old for Sugarland, a Sugarland space cowboy that is having uh, one of the best seasons in minor league baseball right now. Justin Durden in uh, what 380 at bats sitting 324 with a 1022 OPS. Wow. So, I mean, Durden is, uh, he's a power bat. He's got 21 pumps, 84 driven in. Um, I think that's just another guy that like might earn a month of major league pay. And then one other dude that I think could have been an option had they not gone out and traded for Christian Vasquez, but you know, we'll, we'll see what they, what they end up doing, uh, at that position. But if they need a catcher, he's not the best defensive catcher, but Yiner Diaz has been really good this year. I thought um, you were going to say Corey Lee, but Yiner Diaz. Yeah. Nah, I'm more in on Yiner Diaz. Uh, Yiner Diaz has, has been really good. 21 home runs this year. Great bat to ball skills. Doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, can, can play first as well. Uh, that's if they needed a bat, they got Mancini, so they don't really need him, but he's a guy that's probably close to big league ready. Moving on to our last contender, Seattle Mariners. They don't really have any holes. You could say in the outfield, I guess, because Jesse Winker has been playing some DH. Um, but he, you know, he goes to the outfield when you put a guy like Suarez at DH. 
But you look at like Sam Haggerty, who's, you know, not been too shabby for them. And then, of course, you got J-Rod and the return of Mitch Hanniger has really helped this lineup, too. You look at a rotation with Gilbert, Castillo, Ray, Kirby and Gonzalez. And, you know, they put Chris Flexen back in the bullpen and he's giving them valuable innings. And then that bullpen in itself with Seawald, Munoz, Swanson, Castillo, Penn Murphy has been really good. And then Matt Brash, who was kind of that not September call-up, clearly, because he kind of started the year with the Mariners, but just the dirty slider, and then they transitioned more into the bullpen. Hasn't been great, but has had spots where you see the potential there with a guy like Matt Brash, who, I mean, the name that I'm the most interested in hearing about is Emerson Hancock. I yeah. think he's in double A. Is he a guy who could possibly give them sponsors? They don't really need anyone though right now. It's I think we should probably lean offense. I just wanted to touch on Hancock to see if he was possibly ready. Yeah, I mean, if they really needed it, I think Hancock could go up there and survive because the command has really been impressive and he can mix up, you know, three to four pitches that are at least average or, or better. Um, if you keep up with like the the notable pitching performances I'll do on Twitter, Hancock has been a guy that's a, appeared a lot over the last couple of weeks as someone that's just continued to churn out good starts in double A, probably close to triple A ready uh, to get the bump there, but probably just not. Not ready yet. Brash is the guy that I think can really make the big impact, but he's already up there. It's tough because I don't really know what they necessarily need or would, would look for. Uh, they have one reliever in Danny Young, uh, who's been punching out a ton of guys in AAA. He's 28 years old. Uh, but other than that, it's it's one of those situations where they traded away a lot of their pieces. Um, and the guys that are really helping them are up at the big league level. Don't sweep on Isaiah Campbell though, because they've yeah. kind of used him more as a reliever now, uh, I believe. And, and Isaiah Campbell could be a good option for them. Uh, just got the bump up to double. The stuff's good. Now that they've kind of fully moved him to the bullpen, they could be more comfortable with fast tracking him. Campbell, really good college pitcher. Now settling into that bullpen role could be a guy that they move up to. Yeah. I and wish that rider was good. I like Stecken Ryder had a five and a half with the Mariners. He's got a four and a half with Tacoma. Drew Stecken Ryder. Yeah, what Uh, happened to him? I don't know. He was so good last year, and he's just not good this year. Um, But I mean, like, this offense in Tacoma, uh, they're running out of starting everyday outfield of Kelnick, Lewis, and Taylor Trammell. And then they also have Toro and Terenz playing every day for him, too. So. Like, Don't forget Evan a, White at first. Evan White on a rehab assignment at first. But you got Drew Ellis. I like Drew Ellis. I think he can hit a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, the offense is really good. But naturally, when you look at September call-ups, you, you kind of want to give your pitchers a breather. And I don't know what kind of AAA arms you can pull up here. So it, it may be a guy like Isaiah Campbell who makes sense going from double to the bigs. And that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully everybody has a good weekend. Go get your Just Baseball shirts. Arms wearing the crisp white. I will say the rope hats back in stock. Go get yourselves one. Jack's holding baseball. I'm holding baseball. Arms wearing baseball. Join the Just Baseball group chat on our chalkboard. That link is in our episode description. Prize picks if you want to play along with us. I host a daily prize picks Twitter space every single day. The times switch up a little bit, so go follow me at PeterApple23. Arm and Jack's Twitters are in the episode description if you want to keep up on more prospect stuff. We just did a big episode on it, but Arm and Jack are covering that on the call-up as well. And State of Division, of course, are 15 minutes every single day, six days a week 
on each division in baseball. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit us with a like. Let us know in the comments if we missed anybody in the prospect ranks that you're excited to see. Hit us with that subscribe button. And if you're listening on audio, if you could give us a five-star review telling us, tell us what you enjoy about the podcast. Best way to support us, give us a rate and review on our podcast. Go get yourself some Just Baseball merch. Anything else before we say goodbye? We forgot Justice Sheffield, who has a <laughs> six eight nine ERA and triple uh, for the Seattle Mariners. Another Yankees legend. <laughs> and with that, thank you, everybody.